Sing Glory! Today, we're sitting down with Elisa Paspakova, the International Marketing Director at Hourglass Cosmetics and founder of KindRoot, Functional Adaptogenic Plant Lozenges. All I can say is, when you've found someone who's also been held back at TSA for traveling with questionable adaptogenic and root powders, well, you know you've crossed paths with a fellow herb nerd. This episode is for those that have long been practicing herbalism and plant medicine as a means of service to both themselves and their community. As we step into this period in which the relationships between our states of being are put under even further scrutiny, we're realizing that we're not well and haven't been for a very long time. We carry it in our postures, how we manage our time, connect with others, perceive others, the wider world, and generally the way in which we go about running ourselves into the ground. Our world only a reflection of this. Obviously, this being said, the circumstances have left us feeling powerless, but that's not to say we don't hold influence when it comes to our well-being educating ourselves and seeing ourselves as acting as a part of a greater community. If we haven't lost all sense of time, then this episode should serve as the perfect segue for the week to come. We spill the tea. I know people still say that. I'm Gen Z. My baby sister's more tapped into it than me. But you're going to be hearing all about herbs, plants, apprenticeships, international business and marketing, more herbs, obviously, recipes, and all that Kinder has brought forth since its founding. In questioning something, there's initiative. Through initiative, there is strength. And strength gives us the means to keep going. And I think that's what a lot of us forget when there's no end in sight but uncertainty. That the keep going part is the hardest thing. So here's an episode that'll hopefully provide a few practices you can employ, a few herbs you can lean on, and remind you that certainty does not make all decisions nor does it call upon strength. This is episode 38, Herb Nerds, with Elisa Pospakova. A quick heads up, we're dealing with an overseas conversation here, so the audio may reflect this. Coming to you from California and Amsterdam, the Netherlands. I actually kind of spent, I think, last couple of years reflecting on, you know, um, who I was as a child and what were the things that were important to me, because I think a lot of us just sort of lose touch with um, those types of things, you know, and I think there's, um, there's things whether, you know, we go through school and, you know, kind of society or what it means to be successful, and we sort of, you know, focus on things that make us function well and, you know, get us that job and we kind of like lose touch with it. So for me, um, you know, it was interesting. I was super artistic as a child, so I loved to draw. I wanted to be an artist. Um, I loved to sing. So I always kind of gravitated towards things that were, you know, very creative, had a lot of color, just really, I would say, allowed me to create things. And I think in my, you know, my kind of life, you know, I was trying to figure out, hey, how do I kind of blend that but also there's a very practical side of me and that was kind of like hey how do I get a job how do I get health insurance all those kind of things that you know I think particularly um kind of being alive in the United States where you know we don't have a lot of sort of social structures were important to me so I ended up going the route of marketing which looking back kind of made sense because I do think it's like it's a business modality, but it actually is the one that's very creative and kind of allows to blend you those things together. And I think over the past couple of years, as I was sort of soul searching and really figuring out, you know, what is my mission? What do I want to do? What's the legacy? That's how this whole idea for, you know, the company came together, not specifically for the product, but as I look at what it is that I'm putting out there and the way the brand looks and the color and the, you know, creativity of it and putting something together that's like very, very true to myself and being able to create and control every single thing from development of the product to creation of the brand to ongoing communication now, I definitely think kind of like brings back the, the childhood and the child who used to like, you know, paint doodles or, you know, compose music or anything like that. When we speak to the brand, obviously we're talking about mm-hmm. Kind Root, um, yeah. but to keep it chronological order for the listeners, I love to know 
say your background is in international business and marketing, mm-hmm. and your day job is at Hourglass Cosmetics as the international yeah. marketing director right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so how, how did you end up at Hourglass? Um, you know, I, um, I loved, I always loved international. Um, I think again, it was just like, I loved exploring new cultures and languages. Um, I just thought that it was just always so interesting looking at different people and pockets and how they see the world. So at the same time as I was, you know, studying business, I was also studying French and German. And then my native language is Russian. Um, I actually was born in Latvia and I moved to the U.S. when I was 15 years old. Um, So, you know, I just, because I had sort of my language background and the, you know, European background, um, I was able to get into this whole, you know, line of international business. And actually for the past 14 years, kind of on and off at different companies, working on different projects, you know, either working for U.S. companies that were expanding abroad or um, European or even Asian companies that were trying to come to the U.S. And I just love it. I love taking a product that kind of works in one country and then trying to figure out, you know, how do we make it work in another country? Is the same thing applicable? How do we talk about it? You know, how do we translate it? All those kind of things. And so I've been in Hourglass for actually about a year now. Um, I was actually recruited by a former boss of mine who is now the CFO of the um, company and they needed somebody to come in and help them um, expand and really develop the markets and put the structure in place. And so I've been working a lot with my team now on building out both kind of EMEA, um, European and Middle East markets, and then also um, doing a lot of work in Asia right now as well. And you've been doing this line of work for for over a decade, if I'm correct. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, well, this this may be framed as a somewhat or, you know, very much a broad question with regards yeah. to the breadth with which we're speaking to here. But mm-hmm. how have you seen the driving factors behind people's demand change over the years? Because I know, you know, you're speaking to the different markets and it's really gauging mm-hmm. the demographics and, the you know, every the demands are entirely different, but on mm-hmm. a broader spectrum, I love your approach perspective on on people and what they are seen as worthy of consuming and where mm-hmm. they're placing their attention at mm-hmm. yeah I think you know I think that's just such a that's such an interesting question um because you're right I mean there are just you know there are different markets and different views and kind of what people are placing a you know kind of importance on um, and I think the other thing to say is that, you know, it's constantly, it's constantly changing, right? That's sort of like the beauty of it. Um, I think that what's really, really interesting is that looking at different um, categories, you know, I did international markets on, you know, food before in the food products. And it was interesting there because a lot of things that are now important in the U.S. with like organic and, you know, free range and, you know, no preservatives, like all of those things, you know, um, if you're looking at Europe, that's just kind of the standard, right? Like that's a lot of things. And then at the same time, you know, a lot of things in cosmetics that are also sort of now becoming important in the U.S. around, you know, being cruelty free and natural and not having certain, you know, carcinogenic ingredients and things like that. If you're looking at a place like, you know, Japan, those things have been banned for, you know, centuries and you can't even import that product in. Yep. But then on the flip side, if you're looking at things like, you know, fitness and, you know, kind of working out and, you know, strength building and things like that, that's just really been, I would say, you know, the norm in the U.S., um, you know, since the 80s, you know, now you're looking at places like Thailand where women are now kind of saying, no, 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 I really want to go on a weight lift that makes me feel powerful, it makes me feel strong, you know. So I think that there's just like this constant change of information and I don't think any place is like further or more behind in any way. I think we're just sort of exchanging and sharing this information we're constantly learning from. It's like playing ping pong. 
Yeah, we're totally playing ping pong. And so I think it's just, it's really, really interesting. And that is where, you know, I think as a marketer, you have this opportunity. And sometimes I think it's also, you know, sort of, a, um, it's a responsibility to also look at, you know, what you bring into the market and say like, hey, is this actually an opportunity to educate people um, about something that could actually be very, very beneficial. And I think on the flip side, you can kind of say, hey, they're actually doing something well. Um, or they're ahead of us in certain ways, can I actually take that learning and take it back and implement it, you know, for our product here domestically too. So I think that's, to be honest, like a lot of my job is making those observations um, and understanding those sort of intricacies and complexities in the market and then kind of making it, make it work, making it work across the world. What morals and principles do you find important to stand by and bring that into your line of work? Um, I think that it's very important to be, you know, very objective. Um, and I think it's important not to, you know, pass judgment or sort of assign your own cultural values to things that you're seeing, you know, and, and really understanding and being open-minded to whatever it is that you're upholding. I think the, and then I think the second part is just, you know, I think integrity, I think there are, you know, markets where, you know, maybe the regulations can be more, relaxed or you know you don't have to do special testing or things like that you know and I think that it's very important and I've been very fortunate to work for companies that always had just you know really really strict values that said hey even if we don't have to do something in a particular market we as a company or as a brand are still going to do it um we're still gonna you know uphold it we're still going to be better than the competition if that's what we need to be so um I think you need to really be centered and know who you are. Um, but then at the same time, be flexible and understand that, you know, not everybody's going to see your brand or your product um, the way you envisioned. And you have to just sort of allow for that. There's so many logistics that go into this, but I'd love to know what throughout this, this journey, what your gut has, you know, what role your gut has played in this. Yeah, no, I mean, of course, right? I think that um, you actually have to be very comfortable with kind of ambiguity um, when you're dealing with international markets. And I think that's what people ask me a lot. They're like, how do you even, you know, and I'm like, you know what, honestly, I, especially working across the world right now, I've been in positions where I focused on like particular market, but now that I oversee everything, like I can't know every single thing about every single market. I can't know every single influencer, you know, and how they're going to like push your brand forward or backward. That's just sort of impossible. So I do think you have to get really good at sort of like making snap judgments and snap decisions. And at the same time, also, I rely a lot on the people that we have on the ground, you know, whether it's agency partners or our, you know, employees and, you know, people who work with me as a team. So being able to like, understand, you know, can I trust this person? Is this a good opportunity? Do we move forward? Um, you know, I honestly would say a lot of times comes down to, you know, judgment and sort of like gut understanding of the situation rather than data, because a lot of times you just don't have it or you can't afford to buy it or, you know, whatever it might be. Intuition. It's huge. It's huge. And I think I'm learning more and more as I get older to trust it. Um, and there's actually, and I'm sure you, you read about it a lot, but once you actually deep dive and understand kind of the psychological way that our intuition comes together, it's not as like frivolous as I think oh, movies no. would make us think. Um, it's actually a very complex process that I think we just don't even understand and need to um, trust a lot. I more. love it. I love it. I <laughs> just hearing those words after so many years of people just, you know, you get the eye rolls, you get people mm-hmm. turning that, you know, shrugging their shoulders, whatever. They're like, yeah, okay, sure. I'm going back to my board meeting, my boardrooms and my spreadsheets. And it's, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, that's a part of it. But there's, don't take, don't take what we've been given for granted. It's, you know, that innate, innate mm-hmm. intuition. Oh, that's such a breath mm-hmm. of fresh air. no I think some of the you just know I think that um the difficult part is that sometimes you just can't explain it right which is where I think yes it's hard because we're taught so much from your early age you know through school systems through whatever it is to be like well you need to explain why and have supporting data and blah, blah 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 but the truth is especially I think when you're 
coming up with an idea that's truly innovative and truly different, um, if you had all of those support points and if it wasn't that obvious, then everybody would be doing it, mm-hmm. you know? And I do think that those like moments of creation specifically are those like moments when things kind of just like connect. Maybe you just kind of can't figure it out yet. And then you can go back and you can then see it more clearly and kind of make a justification. But I just think we need to, we need to trust like the creative process a lot, a lot more. Yeah. Trying to get to that connection point can take Mm -hmm. a whole lifetime sometimes. And it's, yeah. Yeah. I guess lost in all these structures and all the noise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree with you. Why Kind Root? Why? (laughs) What's behind Kind Root? I want to know all of it. Yeah, no, thank you. Well, so this is actually kind of... um, ended up being the perfect segue but because I it was you know I had one of those moments when things kind of connected in a very very unexpected way but for me um and now that I look back I'm like oh my gosh this is this absolutely made sense um but for me so I've had you know asthma my whole entire life um and so I personally just would consume a lot of lozenges when I would get coughs. Like I just would have bags and bags of them at home. Um, and it was a couple of years ago. And I remember this moment so clearly. I was at standing at Walgreens, which is, um, you know, um, like a pharmacy chain here in the U.S. And um, I was looking to buy my next bag of, you know, cough drops. And it was just interesting because I've done it probably a million times. But for whichever reason, that time... I just really looked at the shelf and I remember thinking, oh, this is interesting. I've been buying the same thing for the past 20 years. You know, the brands haven't changed. You know, it's like Vicks, Ricola, Halls, whatever. The packaging hasn't changed. The flavors hasn't changed. Nobody has really done anything in the category for the past 20 or 30 years, you know? And I was like, huh, this is really interesting. And I was like, I don't even know what's in these things, you know? And I remember looking at it then and being like, oh, it's menthol. It's not actually good for you. I'm not emotionally connected with the brand. And, you know, there was a moment I was like, I don't understand why I'm even buying this, you know? And I remember thinking, I can really, really do this better. And so I started thinking through this idea of like creating a different lozenge, one that you know, had natural ingredients and was low sugar, but it was low sugar naturally, not through kind of fake alcohols or anything like that. And one that maybe had like really exciting and interesting and emotional branding. And I was thinking about this and then I was traveling, I think like a week later. And um, I've also been a lot into Chinese herbs and herbal medicine. I was going through an apprenticeship at that time. And I was traveling with my powder of herbs, and um, TSA stopped me. Yeah, I've been through Um, this. (laughs) No, yeah, and they, like, they stopped me, and they were like, oh, wait, you have, you're traveling with these powders, so they have to, like, scan it. And (laughs) and there was that other moment when I was walking, and I remember it, it was here at, like, LAX. I was walking away from TSA, I was stepping in the escalator, and I was going up, and I was like, huh, you know, it would actually be interesting to put... Um, these herbs into lozenges and wouldn't it be kind of cool to be able to have them on the go and that was it like that was sort of something like you know over the course of like a week and a half it kind of came together it wasn't forced you know I didn't sit down and like look at the category and you know do analysis and all that kind of stuff like it truly came from something that was like very very personable and very meaningful to me and uh and that was kind of it that's sort of how it started and then of course you know afterwards I started looking at it and I was like hi interesting nobody has done it in the lozenges if you're looking at gummies or chews people have been putting stuff in them forever but for whichever reason this category just really hasn't been hasn't been developed hasn't been explored I decided to move forward with it. I sat on my couch one Friday and came up with a list of different names for a potential business. Um, There's probably 20 of them. There was like a couple that I really liked. I sent it to a few of my friends. Everybody really loved Kind Root. I liked the idea of it because it really kind of fused this idea of like kindness, both to yourself, but also the plants give us, you know, nutrients and all those kind of things. Like it was the kindness offering from the plants. And then of course, root has double meaning between, you know, your own kind of 
roots, but also a lot of the plants that, you know, we're using, we're actually using in root form because that does have a lot of um, beneficial ingredients. And I literally went online and I checked and Instagram handle was open, the URL was open, the trademark was open. And I was kind of like, oh, I think it's a sign. And I, you know, I bought it for, uh, I bought the website and everything, you know, that day. And and that was kind of it. So a hundred percent a full kind of going with your gut exercise over the kind of span of, um, of a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I totally, totally get the whole entire powder situation as well. I've had so many awkward situations with that. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's so funny. They're like, they're just like, um, they, I don't know. They just freak out about it. It's really, really funny. Yeah. And even, you know, even traveling with herbs, you know, you, that's, that's still also, major major problem people are like why why is your suitcase filled to the room with all this like, <laughs> you don't understand so i know that's so so funny so you are you take um herbs and supplements and all of that too i just love working with powders um mm-hmm. and herbs you know plants mm-hmm. just plants i mean you know yeah. all medicine stems back to plants and it's like why not have it in its whole form then Looking at big pharma law that is just done with the intention of making making money now, and you see major companies driving uh, the pharmaceutical industry and certain names behind it, and looking at the wider scope, it's it's more so taking that step to realize that I have the power to helm my own health, and if I educate myself um, and surround myself with those who are already putting resources out there. The resources are available for the wider public. The herbalists do have it extremely hard when it comes to actually, you know, getting around certain protocols and, like, they don't have certain degrees and this and that and their products can't deem that, oh, they are, you know, for this specific um, specific ailment or whatever. But mm-hmm. it's uh, it's amazing what, with, with, the help of a community and going back to basics does for oneself. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I love that. I think it's so, um, I think the, the thing that you really said that's really, really stuck with me and it's something that, um, you know, I'm involved in our herbalist community here in Los Angeles. And, um, you know, one of the things that one, our teacher was really telling us through my apprenticeship course that I was taking is that the whole idea that you touched upon of like, empowering yourself and at the core of it you know herbalism is this idea that kind of like a radical idea that you can really rely on yourself um for a lot of these things um or on your community and that not only can you kind of heal yourself but you can also be of resource to other people and as i'm sure you know um a lot of these resources are actually out there and available for free or by donation um, so it's a completely different way of looking at healing and, you know, kind of herbal medicine. It's really not designed, um, in its form to be sort of like a money generating field, right? It's all about kind of supporting the community and supporting oneself. So, um, yeah. I, I absolutely, absolutely love that. And I think to be honest, it was a modality of the past, but I think at the same time it will be. Um, it's the way of the future. Oh um, yeah. So it's um, we're we're kind of like on that cusp of where I think it will it will really really take off. Yeah, I'm surprised that you know there was this herbalist apprenticeship going on before. Well, I don't know. Was it a little bit before Kind Root? Like it was both going on at the same time. Like what made you get into this apprenticeship? Um, so I think apprenticeship started right as I was actually starting. I was already taking like classes and courses before that. I mean, I've been kind of into herbs and supplements my whole entire life. Um, and I wanted to do this apprenticeship here in LA for a few years, but it's a very like limited group. And wait, is it right away. No, it's, um, green wisdom in Long Beach. Okay. And so, um, she only takes like 30 or 40 students a year and you literally have to be on her website at like 9 a.m. this one particular day and um, I just like could never get into it and so I was actually kind of I think I was already working on Kind Root for maybe like two to three months when I got into the next year's apprenticeship and I honestly was just completely life-changing experience 
and then started that, went through the program, launched Kind Root, kind of right in the middle of it, like, uh, or maybe like a month after our kind of one year um, graduation. So it was all kind of happening at the same time. And it was interesting because as I was look, working on, you know, developing the product, sourcing the ingredients, getting it all arranged, you know, we were like learning things at the same time. And sometimes it would be like, wait, I was going to use this herb for it, but maybe should I go back and use this other one? Um, just because, you know, plants are always, you're just learning so much more about them. And we truly, There's synergy, honest, yes. Well, and we know so little in a way too, um, you know, about how specifically they work. And, yeah. you know, the other thing about plants is that it's like, if you're down with a cold and I'm down with a cold, it doesn't necessarily mean we should be taking the thing, which is very radically different from, yes, you know, kind of yeah. how Western medicine would approach it, right? There's, like, one thing. Um, so there's not there's not really usually a clear answer, and I think it usually actually forces you to know your own body, to know, because you're like, is my immunity suppression coming from stress, or is it coming from poor nutrition or is it coming from you know whatever else it might be and you would approach the same type of symptomatic presentation in two different people very differently um so I think that in a way to be honest the apprenticeship left me with a lot more questions than answers and oh my I gosh yeah it does do that thing, you know? <laughs> so I feel like I will never learn enough in a way I don't know how you feel but I just feel like when you start looking at plants you're like oh my god I will never actually know no you end up rabbit holing for hours and hours yeah. and then you you I mean over the years you kind of establish a basis and you know that people it's definitely that approach of you know nutrigenomics with food as well we're not seeing one diet works for all. It's like, you know, you are your very own specific formula. Um, but yeah, it's just, the questions keep popping up and I feel like you get a good basis, but for the rest, you're always going to be a student. No, for sure. For sure. Well, and that is where I think it's so interesting. Now the whole debate in the herbal community around elderberry and COVID that's happening oh, right yeah. now. Um, it's just such a perfect example because people are like, it's bad. And some people are like, no, it's good. And the truth is like, it works for some people and it doesn't work for others. So again, it just goes back to like, you have to know your own body and your own history. And I just think it's something we're not, we're really not yet comfortable with, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I, I've gone down the elderberry rabbit hole um, for a few hours the other day. Cause I was like, I just want to understand. And I came out of it again with more questions. Than just like I just, <laughs> just like I just, I just want to know. Like, come on. <laughs> I know. I was like, do I take it or do I not? You know, it's just it's so so interesting. Yeah. Um, it's uh, yeah. No, I think it's great. Oh my gosh, I'm so I love meeting other herbal enthusiasts, and um, I feel like we can talk for hours about this. Oh yeah, I remember like the first time getting into this and doing very basic tests. I had come down with a cold and trying to figure out, okay, what factor was it? But then also, I always start off the day with, like, a cold shower. And it's mm-hmm. it's almost gauging that my exterior environment is going to further – it may not affect me directly, but there's, like, this – you have, the, like, this chill that you can't shake. And you start realizing that through, like, you know, you can take heating herbs – and then there's cooling herbs. And it's like if you're cold or you're warm, you can work from the inside out and just very basic, like, actions like that, small tests here and there. And I remember just, just getting super excited when I had the cold ones. So I'm like, okay, now I can test this out. It's the herb nerds. Can't get enough of them. I know. I know. I know. I think it's – I just – I wish I could just spend all my time, um, like, a – like mad medicine woman, you know, like learning and um, kind of deep diving into it. And but I think I think the coolest thing is just the revival of the um, community right now, and more and more people getting into it, and it becoming more and more accepted. So I just I think we're we're just sitting in such a good spot to be, you know, learning more about it. And I'm excited. I, mean, I think I'm excited for you know more research going into it more acceptability and then ultimately I'm just more excited about people you know being able to go and buy um you know 
ginger or lemon or whatever it is. You know, I mean, I think the thing is that so much of these like remedies are actually already in our kitchens for a lot of people. So accessible. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, you can just do it. Like you don't have to go, you know, to the pharmacy. I mean, even like in my case, you know, it's like you can actually make the lozenges yourself too. You know, you don't have to, yeah. and you can make them exactly the way that you want it. So I just, um, I'm excited to see where all of this goes. Yeah. And it's like, it doesn't have to be overwhelming to begin with because mm-hmm. it, you can literally just start with ginger. Um, mm-hmm. and a few, a few spices that you're going to use in, you know, your curries or whatever. And it's like, mm-hmm. Most people are so overwhelmed when they see some some pantries of herbalists, and you're you're like, do you actually know what goes into say that Ethiopian dish that you just ate? You do know that that's an insane amount of spices that went in there, like the different mixes, and people just I don't know. It's like our way of life is so efficient, and we never really look at the, the detail. I don't know. It's amazing. <laughs> I completely agree. I completely agree. Navigating as an herbalist or trying to get into this, you know, the, in quotation marks, the wellness space, um, mm-hmm. trying to get products off the ground and mm-hmm. you're working with herbs and it's just, it's just hard. Like, I don't know if you as, uh, you know, your background is director of marketing, you've worked with brands like Goody Lafer, Nestle, the wonderful company, my personal favorite, Menduga Yoga. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you were doing the herbalist apprenticeship, and so I'd love to know what was that searching for, like, a food scientist? Because you're formulating, you got certain, you know, certifications to get mm-hmm. regulations, food safety protocols. What was that like? Yeah, no, I mean, that is um... – Yeah, I mean, that is, you know, the interesting process between, you know, like, if you want to be, like, an home herbalist or whatever, right, like, you can just go, you can source herbs. Um, A lot of times, you know, people go and they forage and they kind of find them and it's totally fine. Um, But once you're, like, really want to bring out a commercial product, then you're right. There's, you know, supplement labels and there's supply chain and there's verification of the ingredients, you know, that go into it. You know, I mean, I have to test – my product and actually like make sure that the lemon balm that I get from a vendor is what they say that it is. Right. And the way we produce, um, the, you know, produce the product follows like very, very explicit, um, steps with controls and measures. And it's all guided by the FDA and, you know, good manufacturing practices. And, and that's where I think, you know, it just, it does, it can become very kind of overwhelming when you think about, about it in all entirety. But the truth is that, you know, as you're developing the product, you're doing things in kind of stages, right? So I was working on the product. I, you know, formulate, put together the blends, you know, the next step was like doing the search for, um, different industrial suppliers of different herbs, you know, because I have to make sure that I'm buying it from accredited organizations, um, you know, testing all of that, getting samples in. Um, I did, to your point, you know, I I hired a candy scientist um, who um, she came on board and she's been, you know, amazing. And then taking the herbs that I, and blends that I came up with and actually, The next step was like, well, how do we actually put it now into a little lozenge and how do we make it taste good? And, uh, you know, so that was like, that was a process. And I interviewed, you know, quite a lot of people to determine if that was something they would be, you know, the right fit for. And I sort of loved, I remember when I was talking to her on the phone, like, I just think she got the vision. She got where I wanted to go with it. Um, And from that point on, I mean, again, you know, very kind of intuitive thing because everybody I was interviewing had the credentials and the experience, but it was that connection with that human being, you know, that I had on the phone where I was like, you're the one, like, you're the one that I want to take on me on this journey. You know, so that was like a process. And then, you know, interestingly enough too, is that, um, I actually went the route of rather than finding a contract manufacturer, which, you know, a lot of food brands do, they kind of outsource the manufacturing to somebody else. And, I actually, you know, a lot of times it's the right way to go, but in my case, because the product is very different, we're the first actually lozenge on the market that 
is functional. Nobody kind of knew how to do it. Nobody wanted to take us on as a startup. So I actually went the route of setting up my own little production facility in a space, you know, about 15 minutes from my house in a commercial kitchen um, where we actually make them ourselves. So, you know, purchasing equipment and, you know, putting together procedure and getting certified and inspected by the, you know, health department and the FDA and all of that. I mean, it was just this, like a whole, whole process. And, you know, the interesting thing is that there's no like rule book on how to do it. So honestly, I think for an entrepreneur, Google is just like your best mm-hmm. friend. Um, and you know, I would spend just like hours and hours being like, wait, so I need this permit and then I need that permit or do I need it? Um, and to be honest, one of the really interesting things that was super helpful is, you know, we have, uh, I joined this like Southern California Herbalist group. One of the really amazing things that came out there was that, you know, there's a lot of people kind of posting questions about how to start a business or, you know, how did you go about this? And um, I would either read things that people posted and respond or I would post questions and I actually, you know, met somebody who like answered a few of my questions, like really, really helpful, who actually turned out to be a graduate of the same herbal apprenticeship as I was just like a year before and we became like really good friends and we're now kind of like helping each other businesses and sharing advice. So I think um, a lot of their reliance on just Google and kind of perseverance and search, but also I would say just finding a community of people kind of going through the same thing is what kind of kept me kept me going, you know, throughout this whole time and figuring it out. And things still pop up, you know, every day. I'm like, wait, how do I do this? How do I ship my product? Like, um, you know, how do I do my taxes and QuickBooks? It's all, yeah. it's all kind of, uh, you know, it's it's not stuff that you really encounter in your um, corporate professional career, you know. Yeah. No. I mean, you really you really learn how to wear many hats. You become an insane wordsmith. Running a legal herbal business, it's just, I can't even imagine. Yeah, it's, uh, but then, you know, you look back and you're like, oh, I did it. And I think um, after you kind of solve the first, I don't know, 10 things, you know, now it kind of feels like, I truly, truly feel like, you know, we can figure out everything, you sort of get that confidence. It's like, I'll figure it out and I'll make it happen. I'll make it work. You know, the first few things, it just feels really, really overwhelming. But I think as you get better and as you get experience of solving some of them, you just, you just kind of get on a roll and then you kind of get a little bit of that thrill of, um, pushing through things and, and figuring them out. And it becomes kind of, uh, kind of exciting. I'd love to know what your herbal protocols are during um this current pandemic yeah (laughs) you know it's so actually interesting because i'm still trying to figure that out and i think what is um you know what i think is difficult is because we know so little about you know this current virus and how it performs and there's so much information around you know should you be strengthening the immune system Or can you actually, you know, kind of cause a storm that disrupts it, like what's better, what's worse? I actually, because I just haven't had a lot of clarity in like what works in what way, I haven't actually deviated much from what I normally do. And my normal kind of daily um, routine is like, I love adaptogens, Um, obviously. I mean, I just think, I just feel so much nourishment and so much I just feel amazing homeostasis yes it's and I know and I mean I have you know there's a lot of um there's obviously a lot of stress in all of our lives but even specifically I would say going through the entrepreneurial journey like I felt it I felt it in my body I felt it in my sleep um and so I continuously kind of adjust the herbs that I take you know sometimes I will take a little bit more cordyceps if I feel like my energy is low, but then maybe if I'm more stressed out, I'll add a little bit more ashwagandha. So I think in the way that I cycle the herbs differs based on where I feel my body is. Um, but it's for me, you know, it's pretty normal. I mean, every single day in my coffee, I, I kind of put some different, you know, herbal powders. I drink, um, a variety of different herbal teas throughout the day. You know, I buy different, um, loose herbs and I kind of mix them together. I just mixed a really delicious blend of um, chamomile, lavender, 
and holy basil and it's just like oh. it's the oh, it's like the most comforting nourishing soothing blend that I'm drinking throughout the day yes. um you know it just oh, it just feels feels so so amazing and then you know I love you know at night depending on whether I feel like more wired or what it is you know I'll I'll also kind of adjust what it is that I'm doing I love obviously taking my adaptogens I feel like a little bit of melatonin sometimes just lets me get over that hump of like my brain is just going and going going because I feel like I have a hundred million things to do you know the next day yeah or sometimes you know I'm like hey you know I think I can just have like a warm tea with a little bit of honey and that's enough to kind of soothe me so I think just you know listening to your body and um continue to nourishing it I think we're very focused a lot of times on like hey, you know, I think the cold is going to be now, so now I'm going to be drinking ridiculous amounts of vitamin C. But the truth is, like, you should be preparing for that, like, six or seven months in advance, you know? Yeah, proactive versus reactive. And, like, constantly sort of nourishing it. Um, But, you know, I'm like, I added a little bit of red clover to my tea kind of here and there for, like, some of the nourishing aspects and things like that. But I I haven't, like, changed... A lot because I've actually I've been feeling like my body's been in a really good place and kind of ready for whatever's coming its way. But what are you doing? I want to learn. I want to know what's uh, you know. I feel like every time I talk to somebody who's into herbs, I'm like, ooh, I, I haven't thought about it, but I should do it. Okay, well, um, oh gosh, <laughs> there's like the herbs really led to the wider question of just food as medicine, and so. Mm-hmm. I love looking at the East, it's organ clocks, and when are you taking certain meals in alignment with the seasons, and looking at, say, perhaps you do Ayurveda as well, and what your dosha may be, so it's overlapping those two perspectives, and then where you yourself feel in your immediate environment, and what that environment is, and so that's already so many factors. Um, No, yeah, it's, yeah. And, yeah, then just aligning yourself to that local environment and whether it's heating or cooling, um, the synergy of herbs and the food and the liquids that you are taking in. I love just formulas of having my primary adaptogens. You know, you have, like, I'm sure, maybe not everyone, but it's as if, I don't know, as if everyone I'm talking to now, they are quite, you know, well acquainted with reishi, cordyceps, lion's mane, poria. Um, and then, as you say, tapping into what you kind of feel like you need in that moment. Um, and just making sure I've got formulas going with the primary adaptogens or like lead herbs. Um, and then I love organ enhancing herbs or supporting herbs. And then having drivers and synergists and nutritional compounds to back up those formulas. Mm -hmm. Um, I know right now I am just definitely focusing on keeping herbs. Just keeping the lungs clear, super simple with peppermint as well. And then, you know, just back to basics. You got chewing on your your, uh, ginger root. Love valerian. I love nettle. I'm obsessed with nettle. I do too. Nettle is so good. Yes. You know? Especially, I think I find that a lot of people don't like the taste as much. I mean, it just kind of tastes like soupy noodle water if you're making it like as a tea. Um, oh, but, but if I you kind of like, huh? If you make a pine, uh, pine pesto with the nettle, that is some real good stuff. Yes. No, that is so good. Well, and that is where I think it's so interesting. You know, that whole idea around food comes in, right? Like. Um, I just generally gravitate towards teas, I guess, because I just love, um, I love like the warmth and the steam of the tea. Um, so I will put it in, but I will like hide it. Like I'll throw in a bunch of Tulsi into it or, you know, like lavender, like whatever, or ginger even. Oh, hibiscus. Uh, Or hibiscus, um, or like passion, like whatever it is. Um, but I, I love the idea of you're like, hey, no, you know, I'm gonna like I'm gonna throw it into pesto, or I've done it where I'm like I throw it into soups or smoothies, and you know, I mean, I love what you were talking about. It like just think of them as like spices. You know, it's it's like it doesn't have to be super intentional in a way that like oh, I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna make a tincture. You know, like not a lot of people are gonna go through it and you know 
put it all together and do the measurements, but just kind of like add it in when you feel like you can sneak it in, just, you know, add it to your, whatever it is that you're making. I actually just made two big, um, jugs of fire cider too. Um, Oh, I love that. Yes. uh, Like two weeks ago. And I like, I'm giving it one more week. Like I can't wait. Um, but yeah, like I, that's another one. Like I love just whenever there's some things are there. Um, just like incorporating that into your daily, um, daily routine. And that is so easy to make, um, by yourself. I mean, you're literally just chopping up a bunch of stuff, throwing it in and putting, um, you know, apple cider vinegar to it. And it's so pretty. Like they're just sitting there and they're marinating. I like shake them every day, but that's, that's like, I, I can't, like I keep on having to tell myself, like, give it one more week, give it one more week. Don't yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know it's so good to have like you know the circulatory stimulants going as well because I'm pretty sure right now people are really taking advantage of just not moving but like you know Mm -hmm. keeping that blood going and like you know you're you're also just signaling to your body I'm still alive I still need to provide for my family on a very animalistic basis so therefore the body will regenerate so I love prickly ash you know ginkgo phenolic roche uh, herbs um just and cayenne or just even like basic cinnamon as well like the Ceylon cinnamon not the cassia the fake stuff it just it Mm -hmm. also just the bacteria keeps the mouth clean or chewing on some licorice root so simple no absolutely no I I mean I think all of these are just perfect perfect example of how you can kind of like even like you don't have to go to some different place and buy right like you can just go to your grocery store and get like lemon mint and ginger um or turmeric root and just like boil up a cup you know and um or a pot and throw them in you know and um drink it throughout the day and I mean that's enough to sort of like keep you warm open things up you know or you can like do a nice steam you know if you feel congested so it's very 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 easy to do how have you seen this reflect in Kindru? Like, has there been, you know, an, just more demand for product, products like these and also the knowledge that comes with it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, definitely, um, you know, wellness, wellness, health and wellness is like something everybody is, you know, focused very much on right now. Um, you know, we've, I've seen a lot more demand on the website, you know, kind of people searching more, um, you know, sending more questions through kind of like our website form and, you know, asking about the right blends. You know, on my end, I mean, it's one of those really interesting things as a brand, you know, how do you communicate with customers at this time? You know, I definitely think, you know, I'm here, I'm available, I'm asking questions, um, you know, I'm continuing to kind of post content and, you know, on social media channels, but I also want to not necessarily pushing the product. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of kind of companies like really putting forth their um, brands as like the solution to it. And yeah. I sort of have a, I have like a, I, I'm just, I have like an aversion towards that, you know, like I just, it's not something I'm going to do. Um, just because I also think one, it's not, true as we just talked about there's no one thing that's gonna help you get through it there's no cure there's no like one thing that's a prevention um and I also just don't think it's right to kind of capitalize on whatever it is going on um so you know we're I'm kind of naturally continuing on we're there we're seeing more engagement and obviously that's um that's super exciting but at the end of the day I think that this is really the time for people to, as you were talking earlier, focus on their families or themselves, you know, turn inward, but then also outward in terms of what can you do to help the community. And the products are there, wellness is there, but again, there's so much more that I think that's going on right now rather than, you know, companies kind of trying to profit off whatever it is that's going that's going on. Yeah. Have you found that, you know, friends, family, or, you know, the boyfriend right now is, are they reaching out and they're asking, Elisa, like, come on, make us whatever you're on all the time. Like, we need it right now. I know. No, I mean, definitely. I mean, my all of my friends kind of know me as, like, the, you know, I'm always, like... Herb girl. Getting, um, yeah, I'm always getting texts around, like, I can't focus. What should I be, what should I be taking? Or, you know, they'll, they'll send me, like, 
pictures from when they're at a store and they're like, which blend do I need? Or, you know, whatever. And I'm like, well, do you have a couple hours so you can sit down and talk about it? I'm like, I can't. <laughs> Let's do a consultation. You know, that's what's always like so difficult you're like I can't just like answer it on the spot like I don't know like I need to understand your whole history you know um so it's always funny because I think people again like there's just such like a you know they're like this or that like do I take echinacea do I take that and I'm like well it depends on what you have quick and Um, efficient yeah yeah. (laughs) so I think it's kind of uh I think it's like super interesting no I mean I've definitely been getting a lot of questions around like you know I think that anytime there is like something that comes out, like I'm sure you've seen, there's been a lot of things around like vitamin C and, um, you know, and some of the treatments that have been, um, tried. So I've been getting a lot of questions like, do I take vitamin C or like how much, like, should I be taking oranges or do I take it in like powder form or should I be drinking it? You know, like all of this kind of stuff. And I think, you know, um, you know, for me, it just kind of goes back to what you and I were talking about where I'm like, Hey, let's just like step back and, take care of your system and this is what I think you should be doing like every single day regardless and then hey yeah if you're feeling a little bit more congested then you know maybe do this or if you feel like you know there's kind of like funky stuff going on maybe take like a warm bath with some you know Epsom salt and you know drink like a hot tea while you're in it so we like raise your temperature and you sweat it out and you know it kind of help you detox which you know, I kind of detoxes became like one of those words that just, you know, circulates a lot, but you know what I mean in terms of like really helping your body like move through it and raise the temperature. So, um, there's definitely, I think a lot of those questions and I think people right now are very confused as to what they should be doing, what's kind of, what's kind of good for them. But I think honestly, it's like, go back to your grandma. I feel like, you know, ask her what she was doing or what her grandma was doing. You know, like a lot of that kind of knowledge has been passed around in families. And, you know, there's usually some kind of like remedy that sort of like exists there that, you know, maybe kind of works for you. I love, that's one of the things I actually love is like reading and finding out about people's like passed on knowledge and how they've been tweaking different protocols or recipes for, um, their particular families you know I know my like grandma used to make this like weird concoction of different things I don't know what used to go into it but whenever we would get sick like we would all take this weird syrup and it would make us I don't know it would make us feel better oh yes yes I love that In terms of going back to Kindrew I'd really like to know what the current situation has brought to light perhaps in some ways that maybe you'd like to run the business differently or drawing back in certain aspects and perhaps expanding into others? I No, I think it's a good question. I mean, I think that, you know, the one thing about Kind Root that's been kind of there from the beginning is that, you know, it has been a self-funded enterprise. So it's, you know, it's just me. And the big reason behind it is because, I wanted to run the company the way that I wanted to do it, you know, without sort of, um, you know, an investor board, you know, requiring 40% growth year over year, you know, like things that I think sometimes kind of raise conflicts between the original purpose of why the company was founded and then some of the kind of materialistic reasons for existing that sometimes kind of overshadow the true, the true like essence of what the brand was supposed to be. Um, so, you know, the cool thing is, is that I've been able to be very, very mindful of how we expand, you know, the quality of the products. Um, you know, I'm very selectful of, you know, which retailers we go in doesn't make sense for the brand. You know, I, I'm just very, very mindful of how we sort of go about it, which I think is just sometimes not possible when you become kind of part of the bigger machine. Um, So in that sense, you know, I think that the way of operating has always been there um, and has always been kind of like non-negotiable in many ways. I did have um, an initiative, you know, for the company that I started that was called Small Things, which kind of tied back to this idea of like mini resets and the idea that, you know, lozenges are kind of like little on their own. Um, and basically every single month, you know, I take a part of the profits that we get, which, you know, we're not even necessarily getting a ton of profits at this moment, but, you know, donated to just an organization 
kind of of my choosing for that particular month. Um, and then I think, you know, this month to donate it to like some of the local shelters, just because there's been so much, so many ways that animals have been affected by this as well, either by people not being able to care for them or, you know, people hearing that, thinking that they passed something on. So that yeah. will continue being, you know, a big part of the mission of this, of Kind Root as well, and going back to kind of kindness and community. And I'm hoping to make it into a bigger initiative as the company, as the company grows. But I think, you know, the health crisis that we're in, I mean, I think that just strengthens more and more the idea that we do need more people you know, putting these kinds of wellness companies out there, I think more and more of them need to be independent and mindful and, you know, women owned or minority owned or whatever it is. Like I, I, you know, it's, it's, there's so many things on my mind right now, but I'm, I'm really trying to think through like, how do we sort of do this collective of encouraging like herbalist into going and start their businesses and making all of this impact and making, all of this kind of herbal goodness more discoverable and accessible to so many people out there, you know, cause there's so much intimidation around all of the powders and having to learn all this. So there's kind of a lot of things in my mind that I'm hoping over the next year, I kind of sort through and, and become clear on. Yeah. I love um, one of my favorite herbalists, Rochelle Robinette. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love, um, she's based in New York. Have you heard of her? Yeah, yeah. Supernatural Cafe. Oh. Yeah. Um, I mean, just seeing it makes me want to, you know, wishing I was, like, living in New York just for Supernatural I Cafe. I know. I know. But. I was actually, one of the things I was, like, so bummed out about is that, you know, there was the herbal confluence that was supposed to happen in um, Durango, Colorado in about three weeks. That got, um, which is kind of like a big fair. It's like a four-day herbal symposium and like every single herbalist is basically there teaching classes and that that got postponed um so it's just uh yeah i was uh getting these like herbal legends um who can teach you things is just incredible yes i mean what what was the conference call was it i mean have you not say perhaps looked at going virtual because i know that girl boss rally recently just completely um rescheduled uh, everything, and they're doing a one-day global virtual rally. You can RSVP for free as well. Um, oh, that's cool. I'm gonna look into it. No, well, they decided not to. Um, they decided not to do virtual for this because they so much of what they do is like they want people to be able to be hands-on with a lot of things that they're sort of teaching, and then there's a lot of like herbal walks and planned walks that they do. Like it's yes. very sort of immersive. Yeah. Which I was like, okay, I guess it makes sense. But I would say that one of the really interesting things is that a lot of the kind of herbalists and herbal schools, to your point, have gone online. So I was actually reading this morning, there's like a aromatic herbs for immune system class that's happening like tomorrow at noon. So there, I think that more than ever, there's just like so many things you can watch from home, which I've actually been really, really enjoying because, you know, sometimes it's hard to make it to a class, you know, with the late traffic and whatever it is. So if I can just sit on my couch in my pajamas and watch it, it's actually been kind of great. Sipping your herbal tea. Yeah, yeah. It, with my foot bath. No, it's been, uh, <laughs> it's been actually, it's been great. I've been enjoying like the so much of knowledge that's been out there. And again, different teachers teach you about different things, right? Like, yeah. Um, and so... I love just like the amount of knowledge that's been actually out there in terms of like even COVID, right? Because some of them are like, let's talk about aromatics, let's talk about adaptogens, how they can support, let's talk about, you know, like, you know, anything else. Let's talk about citrus. Like I, you know, I took a whole like webinar on citrus and flavonoids and all of the other compounds. So I'm just, you know, trying to absorb as much as I can and see, see what works and kind of through um, trial and error. This is a perfect segue. What has this current climate, with regards to your own life, maybe brought around with regards to, say, that a, sh- a shift in intention in some areas, or maybe even made some things clear that weren't before? Um, you know, I mean, I think that focusing inward, you know, so much more. I've been 
with, I think, being just so super busy with a full-time job and launching a business over the past year, I think they've been things that I have been neglecting. You know, I think I've been focusing a lot on my home and, you know, um, both kind of shifting it energetically, but then also, you know, making it kind of like the best little abode that it can be. I've also, in a way, to what's been kind of ironic is I think being kind of separated, I've actually have had a lot of social interaction with people that I haven't talked to in a little while, you know, through Zoom and things like that. So kind of reaching back out to my community, my friends. I mean, honestly, like I've been cooking a lot more. I think that there's been, there's been kind of like a focus on like, hey, let's rediscover some of the things that are just like make you feel good that you sometimes seem inconvenient because they take up time that you think you don't have. And now that, you know, I don't have two hours of commute every day, what can I actually use that time for um, that makes me feel connected to other humans in my life and, you know, kind of make my life, my life better. And so I'm hoping, I think my big intention coming after this is that I continue to find space for these types of things in my life and they don't just kind of get swept under the rug as when we, all the other, to your point, kind of what you were talking about, all this other noise that happens around you that makes you feel busy and accomplished, but, you know, truly it's not like nurturing your soul or nurturing your life. And then, like, looking at your own community, I don't know, maybe the street you're living in, your neighborhood, mm-hmm. are there any things that, you know, maybe you've been surprised by or other people you, from, from a distance, obviously, have maybe gotten to know a little bit more um, or just small acts in which that really touched you where you were seeing that I... I'm really seeing the same loving thy neighbor like thyself coming through. Yeah, yeah, no, I think absolutely. I mean, I think that that's what I think has been sort of like amazing. You know, I think just even seeing, I mean, I've seen some of the, you know, businesses that I'm, you know, friends with, like a lot of like little startups and people, you know, either, you know, kind of changing their production capacity or, you know, things what they do to be like, hey, you know, we're going to deliver, you know, meals to like hospital workers or whatever it is, right? Like, and these are, you know, these are like individually operated um, businesses. It's not like, you know, it's easy for them to sort of switch over, but they like make a point. They're like, hey, you know, 10% of everything I make, like I'm going to donate, I'm going to kind of drive over, I'm going to do something. I think it's been really cool to see here in the community, like I live in like a small beach city, but I think you know, support for kind of local businesses has been pretty amazing. You know, I've been hearing a lot of stories about people saying like, hey, you know, the massage place I love isn't open, but I'm going to buy a gift certificate for this month, you know, so they can kind of still continue getting some, you know, cash flow in. You know, we, my boyfriend and I kind of make it a point to get takeout from specifically from like businesses here on the street, you know, a couple times a week to like continue, continue them going. So I do think that people have like focused so much more on, you know, who is on my street, who needs me, you know, rather than like ordering something or buying something from, you know, like Amazon or like this, like, ambiguous corporation that you don't know like how do we support you know the guy or the woman the woman down the street you know there's a yoga studio that we go to so we like take their online classes with a donation so and I think a lot of people are continuing to do that because I think in a way I wonder if you know small businesses that are enduring like just so much hardship right now but I do wonder if we'll come out of it like valuing them so much more your gut saying about the current situation like just today right in this moment looking I don't know if you've consumed any news yet but what it's just telling you right now I haven't looked at the news yet (laughs) but I'm sure like I'm sure the numbers are uh numbers are escalating I mean I think it's gonna get worse before it gets better um I think that um, we're still trying to figure out how to manage it. I do have sort of a bit of a, you know, glimpse into the future in a sense that, you know, in my job, like I do work with, you know, China a lot. Um, and I think that, you know, they're, they're seeing kind of revival of the economy where, you know, I think they're, they've been like just really amazing in terms of like managing it and people yeah. really sticking to 
protocols and social distancing rules and things like that. So, you know, a lot of my colleagues there are returning to work. Um, you know, their economy is starting to kind of come back. So I do think I do see the end to this, you know, and seeing sort of like an example of, you know, country that it's sort of like kind of getting over and getting back there. But I think so much is just going to depend on us as individuals, you know, following the rules and doing the best we can. And then, you know, we'll start to, we'll start to rebuild. But I, I think, I think it's just not, it's not going to be the same. It's going to be different. And I hope that there's positive things that come out of this in terms of, you know, community and how we put social structures in place to support people. I mean, I think this has been just so devastating to a lot of businesses and freelancers and just, you know, so many people who became kind of jobless overnight. So I think those are all things that we need to think through. And then, you know, in the U.S., I think our healthcare system as well. So I think this will be a learning opportunity once we sort of get over the immediacy of what's happening right now. This is Guts and Glory signing off with Alisa Postakova. This was Herb Nerds with Elisa Pospakova. Refer to the show notes to further get to know our guest. Share your thoughts and show us some love by subscribing or get in touch to be featured on the podcast. Released every other Monday, thanks for lending us an ear. Passing on the mic.